Welcome to this series of the podcast for the State of Indiana Learning Network. We're talking the who, what, where, when, and why. Today, I am Jessica. I am your host from the Learning and Development Department for the Indiana Bureau of Motor Vehicles. And along with me, I have several members throughout the state here to talk about the Learning Network. Good morning. Uh, My name is Deborah. Uh, I work for the Department of Revenue and uh, work in the Organizational Development and Training Department. Welcome, Deborah. And then we have with us Elizabeth. Hi, I'm Elizabeth. I'm with the Indiana Department of Environmental Management in the Office of Land Quality, and I'm kind of a one-stop shop for learning and development for my office, and I'm really excited to talk to you guys today. Thank you. Welcome, Elizabeth. And last but not least, Zachariah. Hi, everybody. I'm Zachariah. I am the Staff Development Coordinator at the Neurodiagnostic Institute and Advanced Treatment Center, uh, one of five state psychiatric hospitals under the Family Family and Social Services Administration uh, with the Department of Mental Health and Addiction. Welcome. All right. So today's conversation is going to be over the State of Indiana Learning Network. And in order to really get started in this topic, we need to know a little bit about the network and we need to know a little bit about its history. So, Deborah, you have been involved kind of since the beginning. Tell us about the network and, and how it's come to be. Yeah, the network has uh, quite a history, actually. It started many years ago during the, what we call the lean years in state, where training resources were you know, pretty low for many agencies. Um, and so it started off very informally. Just a few of us individuals from different agencies got together with this vision to um, what we call stop the leaky bucket in terms of duplicating <laughs> resources um, and also widen the uh, offering of training to those agencies that were critically struggling to acquire them. Uh, SPD, State Personnel Department, was pretty low in terms of what they could provide. And so we started to meet quarterly. We had a quarterly magazine. It was actually called the Train Group, which was an acronym for something I can't even remember now. Um, And it um, opened up classes, like if DOOR was running a class, Department of Revenue, we would actually uh, book facilities over in the South Building and open up those classes and those, you know, more seats, carry more seats so that we could have other agencies join the classes. Uh, and all sorts of things went on. It was a very successful, informal, collaborative network. And it ran for many years until we had those that with the vision either retired or left state government, or in my case, particularly being the only one of the, that original group left, Uh, became seriously challenged in terms of staffing. And, you know, we we just couldn't spare me anymore for extra work across the state. So, you know, for a long time it ran. It was very successful. Um, And as soon as the state personnel function started to build up again, uh, many of us were approaching SPD and, and saying, you know, let's formalize this network. Let's get it under central governance and, Let's make this thing really work. So that's what's happened. And it's, we now have this SOI network um, and we're very excited about it. Very excited to see this thing now really taking off. 
So uh, Elizabeth is silently applauding in the background and she is very excited about the network and its journey. Um, and so Elizabeth, I'm going to ask you, what are some of the benefits that you've experienced so far being part of this group? So for me coming in as like a one person in my office, I don't have a learning and development background. And so I knew I needed to work smarter and find my resources. And for my agency in particular, I'm used to being siloed and I wanted to break down those silos. And so I had met Deborah, I had met Stephanie, and they were so willing to share the resources with me before we had this formalized group that when I came in here, I was like, this is going to expand my network. I'm going to be able to get different course offerings, leadership and development, um, troubleshoot with something. So like Zachary and I have talked about like LinkedIn learning and how we're utilizing that. And so I love the fact that I can bounce ideas off of people and figure out what's best for my agency and utilize those resources from different places. And like I said, I'm still such a newbie that I can tap into these amazing coworkers in different agencies. And it just makes me so excited to see so many people passionate about learning and development. Like it's so exciting. And I bring back my enthusiasm to my agency and they're like, oh yeah, that's great. You like way to make those connections. I was like, see we have amazing people in the state of Indiana like you need to meet them too we are a state that's working <laughs> together <laughs> it's true it's true yeah um so Deborah, I want to ask you what do you see as our biggest challenge as learning professionals overall since you were part of this original group that had this vision there had to have been some challenges that you thought we've got to work to overcome yeah, so I see a couple of really big challenges, maybe three. I'll list three. Uh, you know, I'm coming up for my 14th year specializing in training and development in the state. Um, and I come from, you know, pretty extensive 30-year background specializing in training and development out there in, in, in the, the other world. <laughs> and one of the things that, you know, I noticed very early on in joining the state is that we in the training and development field here have a lot of difficulty with measuring the results of training. That's one of the things that we are really not doing well. And, you know, been trying to push that ceiling now for 14 years, but it's, it's, I think all learning and development professionals find that hard, particularly with soft skills. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not an yep. easy, yeah, it's not an easy thing to really establish really good standardized measurement for success for training. And of course, every learning and development expert knows really how important that, that really is, it, especially in aligning it with measurable competencies on which people are appraised, right? So this is something that we're still working on. But what I have found over the years is even a very experienced learning and development professional in, in, in an agency it has a struggle with this, right? And it, me too. Like with all the experience I have, we still not really cracked that. No. <laughs> so that's one of the things that I really see as something that collaboratively we need to solve together. Um, bringing a lot of expertise to the table and a lot of ideas and creative thinking. And we need to get that one solved. Then the other thing is standardization across the state for the way we approach the design and development and delivery of training. I do think that standardization is really important. And I think that's something that we 
together need to address. And then closely following that, you know, they're almost together. The big one for me is accessibility of training, being 508 compliant and really getting our training highly accessible and going beyond what we have to do if necessary. Yeah. If we really have a learning culture, then this is something that we really do need to address. And again, this is something that I personally, I focused on for many years and really struggled with. It's a very complex subject. Then with technology changing constantly, how do you solve these issues? We really need help with it. And I think we can help one another. And so this is something that I I am very excited about this network solving these three things. 508 compliance uh, and the accessibility of technology and learning is such a huge thing for me personally. Uh, And it definitely bleeds over into my work as well. And just trying to make sure that like, we have all the tools, we're using all, 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 all the available resources because it doesn't matter how great any of us design and build a training program if the end user can't use it. Yep. And I think, and I, and I think that's one of the things that a lot of us, you know, myself included, we can get so wrapped up in the design and, oh, this is going to be great if somebody doesn't have low vision, hearing, or all these other like accessibility needs. So I'm really yeah. trying to push uh, within my hospital, within the ho- the psychiatric hospital network, being more 508 c- c- compliant, and we're figuring out, trying to figure out what that looks like. So I so much on that. <laughs> I will piggyback on that because that's the same thing as like I was the first one to bring up based on needs in the in our office and we've never discussed that before I was like okay we have to find those resources we have to figure out like how we need to change our programming and like secure translators and interpreters and all these things that we hadn't previously done with our learning and our modules and I get really excited again to think about how we can modify and change our existing content to be better and to get to that next level of what we expect for learning and development yeah I bet so many of our listeners are going to resonate with this topic um and right now we're in a little bit of a different state than we've seen in the past Deb kind of alluded to it things are changing so fast technology is you know on the rise and it's changing moment to moment and then we find ourselves in a pandemic and it changes classroom style training and it changes a lot of things for us so what do we think, and I'm going to ask the entire group this, we'll go around and, uh, and I want to know, how do you think this group can help broaden our horizons when it comes to like l- delivery options? We're kind of limited in some cases, whether that's budgetary, whether that's software, um, whether that's personnel, but we do have some limits in, in delivery. And I'd like to ask you guys, um, how do you think this group can help? I'm going to start with Elizabeth. I think the fact that the pandemic pushed our technology capabilities and government employees tend to be very resourceful with limited budgets. And so we've gotten creative with looking for free applications or, you know, private public partnerships and figuring out how we can bring that content in, or again, cross-referencing with other agencies and saying, okay, well, I want to develop a leadership series. And somebody's like, oh, well, I kind of started that. And so we're being smarter with that collaboration and looking at it that way. And again, since I'm new into this area, it's been really beneficial to partner with other agencies that have that experience and expertise and say, you should 
do it this way. You're going to spend less time with development or resources by kind of having this framework first. So I think kind of collaborating on that information and saying, okay, we should look at these platforms or this tool because it's cost saving or we've already vetted it. This is a beneficial thing. So that's what I've really liked about that and trying to think about our delivery options right now during the pandemic. Yeah. Deb. Yeah. You know, there's a huge variety of um, training and development expertise varying levels among all the people in the state between the agencies that are responsible for it. Um, And pooling that expertise, I think, is just what a fantastic opportunity. Don't see it as a limitation. I see it as an opportunity. Now we have Microsoft Teams. We can collaborate. You know, I'm collaborating across many agencies, including even state police from time to time when we're troubleshooting issues for maybe e-learning and things like that. This is a pooling of expertise that really elevates every trainer to a new level, including the very experienced ones. And so that's very exciting. There's no need to reinvent the wheel if someone else is doing it or has already solved the problem. We can communicate and collaborate and save so much time and resources for ourselves and each other. Um, And then the other thing is um, collectively focusing on pushing the ceiling, right? So from the minute that this started, everybody in my agency knows you'll never get Deborah on camera, right? So (laughs) (laughs) I take that as a challenge. Get ready. Good thing that this is a podcast, huh? (laughs) Yeah. but, But here's the thing, you know, you know, I had to step back and I also like to push the ceiling. And, you know, I'm an old school trainer, very experienced, but old school class training um, and curriculum building the old way. Uh, and very quickly, I recognized the exciting opportunity there was to develop new skills for e-learning, video production, all those things. Love that so long as I was never going to be on camera. Well, this recent crisis really challenge that because now we need to make training equally as engaging, maybe more so, very efficient and work really well with all the tools that we now have for online training. What a fantastic opportunity to really push the ceiling together to share like what has worked, what hasn't worked. You know, if we put out a new class and we're getting good feedback on that or bad feedback on that we should be sharing it with other agencies and saying look I tried this this is the feedback I got and um, I just think this is just such a fantastic opportunity to, to push the ceiling I really do agreed Zachariah do you have any last minute comments there I so like I've only been with the state of Indiana since September of this year and so I kind of came into my role, like guns blazing, <laughs> like, all right, um, I, you know, I have um, 13 plus years of experience in private nonprofit learning and, and development. So it's been, I come into this new, new agency, new, new organization who's used to doing it very classroom style. It is a, yeah. it's a hospital type setting. So a lot of us are still sh- showing up. So and a lot of the folks here have been, had lots of tenure. We're talking 10, 15, 20, 20 years. So trying to get them on board with like the new technology. So I'm teaching like technology 101 classes yep. 
on top of like new hire orientation and making sure that where I'm bringing like my team to the same level and then pushing them and then pushing our administration be like, all right, these are other things we need to do because here's what's available. Yeah. And here's what I know we can do and, and what's capable. And this group has been really great for me because I'm able to be like, do we have this thing anywhere <laughs> in the state? I think one of my, one of my first like questions to the group was, is there a section 508 program manager anywhere? Mm-hmm. Or like, what does this look like? Cause I hate rebuilding things that are already built. So I think for me, as someone who's newer, being able just to be, have that like, basically like wide pull to throw my rock into and figure out what's already here so that I could like maybe adjust my energy to somewhere Mm -hmm. else. It's also excitingly dangerous because my wish list grows. I'm like, oh, I have this great (laughs) idea. Get ready because Elizabeth's just going to go a mile a minute because I'm so excited because I heard from, you know, FSSA or DOR or whatever. I'm like, yes, let's bring this back and just run with it. And so my staff always know, like when I get enthusiastic about something, like you got somebody's idea. I'm like, yep, and I'm going to run with it. Be prepared. (laughs) No, no, same here i'm very fortunate that you know my director and the hospital leadership here are really open to the things that we that that we talk about in in the network that i bring back that i find are beneficial for us and it's been really great to for me to also build with other agencies and like build those relationships so Mm -hmm. while yeah you know this pandemic has given us a lot of like limited delivery options it's also pushed us in ways a lot like deb has said to really kind of push and grow each other and ourselves and be a better learning development unit across the state. And I think it goes with our culture of like, we tend to be lifelong learners. And so I get excited when I'm learning about other agencies, because again, I was siloed for so long, I didn't have that exposure. And so I'm learning, oh, DNR does this, DOOR does this, FSA does this. And I'm like, I had no idea. And so that gets me excited in jazz too. And I want to share that information and change that culture in our agency because of the enthusiasm from our group, because everybody's so excited. So Zach, you just talked a moment ago about the fact that you're a little newer to the state, right? So you've been in your role a couple of months now. And so new to the state, new to this group, I want to know from you, um, and I'm sure the listeners want to know for those of them out there who are thinking, oh my gosh, this is such a great resource. Why am I not involved? And how do I get involved? Zach, how did you find the group? How'd you become a member? Yeah, so um, I was actually uh, put on an email chain with some other staff development directors at the other hospitals. And it was actually Angie Paul who mentions like, hey, are you a part of this group? Like, you should really like join this because they, they, they will probably have answers to your questions that we don't because there are things that we've never thought of or, but I know that they're a resource. So Angie Paul is the one who sent me the invite to the SOI network and then, um, I had a previous uh, uh, professional relationship with Jill. And so I was like, oh, this is what Jill had hey. talked about like months <laughs> ago. So like, it was, so it was really cool for me. And then um, I got, I pulled in uh, some of our nursing ed- education team because uh, they are, we talk about things and resources and ways to do things that will benefit nursing ed uh, just from a soft skills s- s- standpoint when they're teaching very various um you know, skills and and the hospital for our, our clinical team. So just trying to really round out uh, kind of how I got in. It was uh, very much a word of mouth, like, hey, this thing exists. There was no sign up form. There are no membership dues. <laughs> yep. like, very important, no like, membership dues. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's right, a free resource. <laughs> right. Um, it's 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 the closest thing to Cheers that I've ever been a part of because literally because it's on Teams, everybody, everybody does know does. your name. So <laughs> great way to sum it up. Great way to sum it up there. <laughs> so before we end today's podcast, uh, I want to know from each of you, what is your favorite thing about the SOI group? So I'm going to start with Deb. Uh, well, let me put it this way. I've got a saying that I've used over the years, maintain the differences for enrichment and growth. Uh, and, and obviously you probably can tell from my accent, I'm new to this culture anyway, new being like almost a couple of decades now, but still, <laughs> nevertheless, it's not my home turf. Uh, so that's one of the things, you know, that I have found as somebody that was new to the learning and development profession in a different country is how enriched my own perspectives on learning ha has you know, been because of those differences. I've learned so much from even less experienced people just because I'm new to the culture. So here we are, you know, all these agencies with our own unique agency cultures organizationally coming together and really sharing our vision, our ideas, our enthusiasm, our skills, uh, and having really good discussions about how we can enrich the learning process for our customer, which at the end of the day is state employees. And everything we do for state employees directly impacts our citizens of Indiana. And so for me, yep. that is a real contribution that this network can make together is by bringing all these differences together for enrichment for what the state can offer Indiana citizens. Great. Elizabeth, what's your favorite thing? I like the resource sharing, but most importantly to me is the passion of all the learning and development consultants, because that keeps me going and that keeps challenging me to push that envelope, like Deb said earlier, and just keep our agency growing to provide better customer service to our citizens. So having those people that are passionate around me to keep thinking outside of the box and coming up with new solutions is so exciting. And that makes me really happy to be a part of us. And Zach, what about you? Um, I think for me, it's been really great to just be able to build relationships and see how other folks and agencies do things and do that resource sharing. And like, I've worked in so many other organizations and places where like L and D is in this silo yep. and like you do, like you, you do not move from your area of expertise. Whereas Elizabeth and I have like went back and forth on about you know, creating these like LinkedIn, like learning paths based on, you know, competencies within our performance management. Deb and I have talked about building this accessibility survey and just trying to like, keep those things going. And like having those other things for me is what get, makes this job fun. Yep. Yep. And I love waking up every day and being able to design and dream and also implement. And I think that's one of my favorite things. Well, I think that our listeners are going to hear the passion from each of you today and what you what you 
feel about the SOI group and the benefits of it, uh, we want to encourage our listeners, especially those who are in the learning and development field for the state to come join us in the SOI network, because there are so many great things um, and resources as we've talked about today. So please come find us, join us in the conversation and who knows, we might want to pick your brains and get some of your expertise, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, but we're willing, definitely. But we're willing to share ours, right? <laughs> Always. So I want to thank the three of you for joining me today on this podcast as we open up uh, a little bit of information about the SOI network. Again, its benefits um, and the amazing future of it. Uh, thank you so much for your time. And we hope to see you all joining the network soon. 